Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. One hope. All right, let's get after this today. Have you ever been asked to do something? Have you ever been given a task that you know it is too much for you to accomplish on your own? Think about it. Has there been something where you've been asked to do something, you're like, I don't have it in me to accomplish this? This has happened quite often with me. If you're a guest this morning, you won't know this, but you will learn it very quickly. Something that one hope knows, and it's not even a conversation anymore. Pastor Scott is borderline useless with home repairs okay we just know this this is a normal conversation we all have our gifts mine is not fixing things all right well it was a couple weeks ago amber and i noticed in our shower drip 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 looking at the shower head drip drip okay so it's like okay we gotta we gotta go down the road of fixing this let's see so i go to lowe's i go to home depot didn't really see a shower head that um i liked so it was like okay we're gonna manage the drip but i'm gonna order something from amazon so that's what we did order from amazon it came in in the box and 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 i know i'm borderline useless but at least i can do this so i take it out of the box and um i unscrew the shower head and i put new teflon tape i know what teflon tape is in case you want teflon tape and i screw back on i'm like i got it like i'm the man like i walk around and for about like 30 minutes i begin to peacock around the house you know what i'm saying i'm just like amber recognized i put a new shower head on the problem is drip 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 you got to be kidding me. I go in and I realized that the only drip was not ju- the drip wasn't only coming from the shower head, the drip was also coming from the handle. But I was just consumed with the one I could see up top and so I look and go well, this is a problem. Because two things. One is I don't know how to take the handle off as well as I knew how to take the shower head off and behind that handle are pipes and 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 you know things I can break. You know like I could very easily break this and we got problems and I'm like this is beyond me all of a sudden like we it it got we got there quick but it's beyond me so what do I do I do what I always do I call my man Larry Miles okay if you don't know Larry Miles you may have gotten a uh a Werther's from him and told you to be sweet this morning okay you may if you haven't got one look for him Larry Miles has helped hundreds of people over the years but he's always a call from me of Larry I got an issue so I'm like okay I got drip 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 He's like, okay, Scott, so we got to do, you got to take the handle off. Behind it are the main waters. You got to turn those, and then there's a cartridge issue, maybe some of the washer. You know, he begins to talk, and he's got more of a southern accent. You really got to pay attention when he says that. But, but, um, but he's like, this is what you got to do. I'm like, okay, got it. This is great. But the problem is, I still don't have the handle off, and I can still break things. So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, and the night goes by. And the next day, I've got another friend over at the house, another friend. His name is Joel. He's at my house, and he's there to fix some things, and we begin talking, and I tell him about it. I got a problem with my shower. He's like, ah, oh, no problem. So he comes, take off my boots. I'm going to come in the house. He gets in the shower, all right? He gets in the shower, it, 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 TMI, whatever, but like the wet, floor's wet, and his socks get wet, so I go get him new socks. It's a whole ordeal, right? Like it's a whole ordeal with Scott's house. And so he's in there. He's like, ah, no big deal. Go get me some channel locks. Okay. I think Larry gave me some of those like four years ago, so I think I know what they are. So I go into the garage, I grab some channel locks, and I'm just hoping I don't want to look like an idiot to my friend Joel, and I'm like, here's your channel locks waiting. 
They're the channel locks. So I got it, okay? So we got the channel locks. He takes everything off. He pulls the cartridge out. He shows me what I need to get. I'm like, okay, good. Take a couple pictures. The next, uh, we put everything, or he puts everything back together. And the next day, I go to the store, find what I need. I've seen how he did it, so I take the same channel locks. I take everything off. I put the cartridge in. I close it all up. No more drip. No more drip at the Moore house. Whatever, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Have you ever had a job? Have you ever had a task that you know it, it's just it's too much for you? What do you do when you run into one of these things? Because today I'm going to be sharing something with you that is too much for you. And we've got to decide how we handle a task that is too much for you personally. See, we're in the middle of a conversation. We have been since the beginning of the year. We've been talking about things and decisions that God wants to do in our life. Actually, this has been interesting for me, this anchored series. This probably has been a series over the seven years of me being the lead pastor, the one that people have given the most feedback to, the one that's gained most traction. It feels like the conversation is there. It feels like God is planting seeds in lives because he's trying to grow something in us. It's been enjoyable to walk through this. And actually, I had a conversation about growth this week uh, in regards to raising up kids and we're talking about kids they they don't like to really go through changes and to grow to the next season right like the first time you sit up it's hard the first time where you're like hey stand and take your first step it's not easy you know, that, that potty train, I was talking to a grandparent today, finally the grandchild potty train this week, it is not easy, these things are tough, but the thing is about kids, we need to push them, the worst thing we can do with kids is not try to push them to, to be successful, to push them to the next level, to help them mature into the next phase of life in their development, this is the worst thing that you can do, well this is no different for us than kids, we need to be pushed, you need to be pushed. We need to be challenged. Because there's something waiting for us that if we don't, if we're not pushed and challenged into the next, then we may miss out on what God has for us. Because when we don't lay anchors down, I tell you this every week, we will drift, right? We never drift into more maturity. We never drift into more healthiness. We will drift toward ease. We will drift toward what is natural for us. But our nature is broken. So we need to be pushed. And so these first few weeks, first five weeks actually, we've been pushed to talk about anchors we've got to lay down. I'm not going to tell you about them, but I'll just tell you. First week was anchor the Word of God. Second week, anchor the freedom of Christ. Third week was an anchor in a life of servanthood. The fourth week was an anchor in forgiveness through confession and repentance. And last week, anchored in prayer to build a relationship with God. This is where we are. And so today we go into our sixth anchor. But I'm going to repeat what I just said. Sometimes we need to be pushed. Sometimes we need to be challenged. And I want to tell you this morning is one of those weeks where this is not like going to be that inspirational message. This week isn't going to be just flowers and fluff, all right? This is not going to be candy, this is meat. And we've got to decide do we want to be pushed? How do we respond to being pushed? Because I, 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 I'll be honest, I, I worry a little bit today about two things. One is, 
that at some point during this, that I'm going to lose you for a moment. Because the topic we're going to talk about, well, you'll be like, I'm not sure I want to go there. I'm going to ask you, stay with me to the end. And the other thing is that maybe just in general, you're here this morning to do the church thing, but you're not ready emotionally, spiritually to say, God, what's next for me? And I want you to decide right now, there's something next that we need to lean into. Sometimes the task is too big for us. Sometimes it's impossible for us to accomplish what God has for us. And there's a sentence in the Bible that puts us in a place where the task is too big. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. I'm going to read it for you. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What does that sentence do for you? What does that sentence feel like to you when someone says that a, a word from Scripture is calling you and me to be holy as the one we follow is holy? See, this word comes with baggage sometimes. This word comes with emotion sometimes. This word actually comes with confusion sometimes because Amber and I were talking last night about this, that for many people, you know the word holy and you go, yeah, I get it. But two things. One, there are, are traditions of, of churches and religion that don't teach about holiness. Or two, you may be able to say the word holy, but how does that actually play out in your life? It can come with confusion. It comes with previous teachings and its baggage. The word holy means, uh, I'll throw these words at you, sanctified, consecrated, set apart, separated to be different in the world and its value system. And I'll tell you, if you really want to do what the Bible says, this sentence should on some level feel very overwhelming. On some level, if you decide, I really want to do what Scripture tells me to do, when you hear this sentence, it should feel a little, I don't know how to do that. Peter, in this case, is writing to the people as early Christians, but he's still writing to us too. He's trying to help people to see what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He's trying to help people see what life looks like when Jesus is called your Lord and Savior. But here's the deal. People who would have read these words back when Peter wrote them, they would have known where they were coming from. Especially if they come from the Jewish tradition, the Jewish heritage they've been brought. They would have known that Peter was quoting from a book in the Old Testament. He's quoting from a book called Leviticus. He's quoting that there because holiness did not start with Jesus. Holiness has been a conversation since the beginning of God's people. 
holiness was there actually in the beginning. Can I tell you kind of where this conversation began? If we're going to walk down the road of accomplishing what Peter has said we need to accomplish. When the Israelite people, God's chosen people, were taken out of uh, Egypt and they were rescued, we've talked about this a lot, that God has said, I want to be in relationship with you. You've been pulled out, you've been rescued, you've been redeemed, and, and this idea that we need to worship, we need to worship God with our lives. And he says to them, I'll be your God, you will be my people if you live in this obedient relationship with me. Now we see early on that um, Moses is their leader, and Moses goes up to the mountain, but God says to the people, you can, uh, you, they can't come up because they can't handle my holiness, they can't handle my presence. I want to be in relationship with them, but they can't handle a holy God because of the broken people. But he wants to be in relationship with them so badly. And so we see in the story, only weeks after they are rescued, that, that God um, in his presence is, is, is seen through what's called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was carried around. You see these, the, this storyline in Exodus and Leviticus. You can go read that if you would like, but it, this is pre-Jesus, pre-Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. This is God, and he's in the Ark of the Covenant, and they carry him around everywhere. Well, we see in the story that God tells them, I want you to build a tabernacle because I want my presence to be with you. And he gives them all these specifications of how to build their tabernacle and, and that his presence would reside in there. But he's like, listen, you can't go in the tabernacle because once again, you can't handle the glory, the holy, the, 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 the greatness of who I am as people. But I want to be with you. Well, Moses is the leader. He's the prophet. Well, God wants to have a representative of the people, and so he, 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 he calls Moses to make his brother Aaron the high priest. The high priest was going to represent the people and go in the presence of God, but Aaron couldn't do it just because God had chosen. There had to be almost a ceremony. There was sacrifices, there was, and once again, very detailed. I've got five pages right now of commentary on this, if you want to know, but it's very detailed. But at the end of it, also there was an anointing of oil that was put on Aaron. And God says, you are sanctified, you are consecrated. Now you can come be in my presence. But it didn't end there. God also spoke to his people and said, I want to make you a nation of priests. Not just that Aaron can come and represent, I want to make you a nation of priests if you obey me, if you are in relationship with me. So, once again, this is where I said, I don't want to lose some of you today. This idea of holiness started back in Exodus, God's people, that God was holy, but wanted to be in relationship with his people, but it took something for that relationship to happen, because God couldn't lower himself. He had to bring his people up to him. Now, the story of this didn't end in the Old Testament. 
It carried on into the New Testament, and it carried on into Jesus' coming. Because remember, in Jesus' coming, this was God still fighting for a relationship with his people. It was God wanting to be close with his people. God wanting to fight to be close to you. So Jesus is sent. But this idea of holiness is still there. And so what we see in the New Testament is the story of God and his relationship with his people through Jesus and his calling on you and I to live out 1 Peter, be holy as he is holy. This week as I'm processing this, I felt a little overwhelmed. You can ask Bradley, you know, worship leader Bradley, even yesterday I'm at the church wrestling with these concepts because I want to bring some clarity of a calling on our lives that we often don't lean into. Something we miss out on in our relationship with God because it seems too big of a task. But the Bible from the very beginning seems to be very clear there's a calling on our life, and God wants to have a relationship with us, but he is a God who is holy. How do we have a relationship with him? And I'm going to break it down into two categories today. Two ways that we live out holiness in a relationship with God when this task seems way too big for us to live out. And there's two concepts, and the first one is positional holiness. Positional holiness. Let me read for you Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through 10. It says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sins you do not desire, nor are you pleased with them, though they were in accordance, um, in accordance to the law. Then he said, here I am, I've come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that, we will, uh, we, that, sorry, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. Now let's go to Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished upon us. Okay, lots of words. The reason, here, look at me. The reason I told you about Aaron was because he was made holy and brought into a relationship with God because of the sacrifices and the anointing of oil. In Hebrews and Ephesians, it tells us we are made holy, we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus poured out on our lives. 
through Jesus, we have been given the position or status of being holy. Here's where it gets personal for you. The expectation for being holy has always been on your life, but the way you become holy has never been on your shoulders. Throughout scripture from the very beginning, God has had a calling on our life to say, you want, need to be in relationship with me. You need to raise the bar. You need to raise the standard. You need to, you need to push yourself in being obedient and live in relationship with me. But you cannot become holy on yourself. It is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. He is the one that makes us worthy. He's the one that gives us status of holiness. It's all about what Jesus did. And so I go back to what I said earlier. Does it ever feel like you have a task that's too big for you? And then you see a sentence where a guy named Peter, an apostle of, of, of Jesus, says, be holy as he is holy. And you go, I can't do that. If we want to be obedient to Scripture, Scripture says, be holy as he is holy. But you go, I can't do that. How do I live up to this standard that seems so big? The reality is, you can't. This is why Jesus came. He makes us holy. The expectation does not change, but how you get there has never been in your hands. It is at a place of surrender to the one that can make you holy. Let me say a sentence right here. If you don't care to live in the truth of Scripture, you won't care about this message. But if you want to go to a deeper place of saying, God, how do I live in a deeper relationship, more intimate relationship with you? How do I live out Scripture the way you call me to at a level maybe I've never done before? This message may change how you operate in life. Because you may take seriously the words from Peter who says, and you need to be holy because your God is holy. There's something I call positional holiness. But that's not the only one. There's a second one. And this one should hit home for you. I call it a lifestyle of holiness. A lifestyle of holiness. I want to be really clear this morning about something. That holiness is more than a moment. It is a way of life. Holiness is more than a moment. It is a way of life that we are called to. And, and I think it's something that we have missed out on and something we haven't pushed on because it seems maybe too much and maybe even people that sit in my seat don't want to push us on this because people reject it, don't want to lean into it. I think for many of us, we settle for less. I hear sentences like this. Maybe you've said them before. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner in need of a Savior. Can I tell you first, that is true. 
But that isn't the full story. And sometimes we settle with a sentence like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, or I'm just a sinner in need of a Savior, and we forget that there is a calling on our life to be completely transformed, that we are different when the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus covers us. We are not just a sinner anymore. We are found to be holy in the sight of God. We are blameless in the sight of God, but it doesn't end there. We have to see how we we live out that life. For some of you that you're like, Scott, this is a bit much. The reality is, yes, it is. Because it's really easy to settle in of just, I'm just saved by Jesus and I live my life. But let me go back to my shower for a second. Drip. 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 I changed the shower head. I think I'm good. But there's still that drip, drip, drip. In that moment, I could easily say, like I tried. Like I got a new shower head. I changed it. It should be good. And I could just completely give up. I I did my part, but it it is what it is. It's just going to drip. The problem is, as it continues to drip, mold will begin to grow, smell will begin to grow, humidity in the air, all the just gross. It, this is what's going to happen. And the problem I have when we just settle with, listen, I just, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and this is where I sit, is we forget, no, there is a work that is still to be done in our life, and we don't need to settle for just forgiveness when he has called us to holiness, when he's called us to transformation, because Jesus has more for us. And why I want to battle for this idea this morning is, is we're missing out on a deeper relationship with God where we are, our will is combined and our heart is combined and our passions are aligned because we live in a different relationship. The problem is, Scott, I don't know how to do that. That seems like a task that's too much. I'll just settle for the drip. Well, Scripture speaks to this. 2 Peter 1, 2 and 3 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness. Titus chapter 2 Verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. But it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16, says, As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. Where did God say that? We're going back to 
where I went already. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. These are not surface-level verses, are they? These are not verses of God has all these plans for you and wants to prosper you and everything is good and he loves you. These are like a calling us to something more verses in our life that often we don't take and go, okay, how do I accomplish these? Because I don't think I can, which is why... 2 Corinthians says to us, verse chapter 12, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What is the theme of all of these verses? The grace of God is what helps us live out the impossible task of living a holy life. The grace of God giving you everything you need to live out the life that he has called us to The grace of God calls us to something, but he doesn't leave us stranded. He says, my grace, I've given you everything you need to live out what I've called you to. Listen, the God being holy necessitates us being holy in a relationship with him. This was his plan. This was his heart from the very beginning. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people, but you can't handle the holiness, so I'm going to put a high priest to represent you. But I want to make everybody a priest, and so I'm going to call you to holiness, but I'm going to equip you for it. First, I'm going to send Jesus. He's going to die on the cross, and he's going to put you in the position of holiness. He's going to give you the status of holy. But you need to live this out every day, not just because I told you to once again, I've been going through this, not because he's an angry God, not because he's a God that just is like just demanding in this way, because he wants to be in relationship with us at a deep level, and we settle for something less. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you, and I want this for your life which is the reason he prayed for it for you. Did you know Jesus prayed for you? You know, Scripture says that Jesus prayed for us. Do you want to see what he prayed for you in your life? John chapter 17. He said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it, but sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may truly be truly sanctified. Jesus has a prayer for you. And that is not that you leave this place. It's that while you are here, you become more like him in holiness. Become more like him, that your heart and mind and passions um, align with his. That we surrender our lives every day and say, Jesus, how do I live more like you today? I want to be holy as you are holy. I want to deepen my relationship with you. I want more of a relationship with you and understand you in a way I never have before. You can settle. I believe this. You can settle. For Jesus forgave me. Jesus forgave me of my sins. He does this. Jesus, you forgave me for my sins. So I can be in heaven with you one day. But what about today? What about the relationship that is to happen today? Not in the future. What about the relationship for today? Have you settled for just, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a bad person, but I've got a Savior that forgives me? Or do you wake up in the morning and go, God, I want to surrender my mind. I want to surrender my eyes. I want to surrender my hands. I want to surrender my feet. I want to surrender my heart because I want you to sanctify. I want you to make holy everything in me because that's how I can be at the deepest relationship with you. Hear me on this. I told you at the very beginning, this was not candy, this is going to be some meat. And you very well can just go, Scott, I'm good, That's a bit, you're, you're a bit too intense for me today. I get it. I may say be the same thing if I was sitting in your seat. Or, you can say maybe there is another level of living. Maybe I do need to be pushed. Maybe I do need to be like that child that is pushed to the next level in the development of life. Maybe I need to be like that child that is pushed to the next development of my relationship with Jesus. Are you growing into more of what God has? I think the growth point is we are becoming more like the one that saves us, and this is called holiness. I don't know if you've been brought up with this concept or not. But it's all through the Bible. From the very beginning of him calling his people to be in relationship with him, he says, I want this relationship with you, but I'm a holy God, and we got to up the standard of how you live. One hope, that's the challenge this morning, that you be anchored to holiness as you walk out this relationship with God. You be anchored to a, a higher level of living where you say, I'm going to lay everything down and I'm going to say, God, you get to dictate my life. Help me grow to be more like you today. Jesus prayed that for us. For us. He prayed that for you. While you're here on earth, you can be sanctified. You can be made holy. 
So I'm going to put it in your lap today. Man, I'm going to put it in your lap today. And just ask you not to settle for a drip, drip, drip that eventually wreaks havoc in your life. That eventually smells in your life. But you can't do it on your own. I made a phone call. I asked a friend, hey, I can't fix this. Will you help me? This drip is going to continue. you got to help me. I don't have it in me. And this morning, I don't want you to feel the weight of having to accomplish this. I want you to feel the, the, the lifting off of, God, I can't do it, but I know you can. You make me holy, and then you walk through with me. You make me strong. You make me have the ability in your strength to be the person you called me to be. So I don't know what your story is. But I know you're just like me, and there's an area of your life that God would like to get a hold of and say, hey, let's change this. Here's a sin. Here's an attitude. Here's an action. Here's something. Can we grow this today? And all it takes is, okay, God, my life is yours. So I don't know where you are right now. I'll tell you the first step of living in the life that he's called us to is just to say, you are the Savior. I can't be made holy outside of your death and resurrection, so forgive me of my sins. I receive you, Jesus, and all you did. You make me worthy in front of God. But you need to help me live this out because I can't do it on my own. And so, God, um, I believe this is challenging. You've been challenging me all week. I think this is challenging and because it, it's a life journey for us to figure out how do we follow you and become more like you and to live out this call to be holy. God, it's no small task, but no task is too big when you, we have you working for us and in us. So can you help us today to not settle? Can you help us today to... to um, just to lay down everything in our life and say, will you transform me? And God, will you make clear today the areas that I didn't make clear where your Holy Spirit speak into our lives specifically and to convict us and push us and help us grow into the people you call us to be. I'll entrust you. I trust you, God, to speak that with clarity. Help us to be a church that tries to live out your scripture to be holy as you are holy, even as daunting a task that is. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.